A whistle blew, jolting slightly. The big posters on the hoardings took themselves off rearwards, and with sudden acceleration, like a thrust in the back, the electric train moved out of Ballston Junction, past the blurred radiance of the tall lamps in the marshalling yard, past the diminishing constellations of the town's domestic lighting, and so out across the eight-mile isthmus of darkness, at whose further extremity lay Clough. Ballston had seen the usual substantial exodus, and the few remaining passengers, whom chance had left oddly and, as it turned out, significantly distributed, were able, at long last, to stretch their legs, to transfer hats, newspapers and other impedimenta from their laps to the vacated seats beside them. And for the first time since leaving Victoria to relax and be completely comfortable. Mostly they were somnolent at the approach of midnight. But between Ballston and Clough, none of them actually slept. Fate had a conjuring trick in preparation, and they were needed as witnesses to it. The station at Clough was not large, nor prepossessing, nor it appeared much frequented. But in spite of this, the train, once having stopped there, evinced an unexpected reluctance to move on. The whistle's first confident blast having failed to shift it, there ensued a moment's offended silence, then more whistling, and when that also failed, a peremptory, unintelligible shouting. The train remained inanimate, however, without even the usual rapid ticking to enliven it. And presently, Gervais Fenn, professor of English language and literature in the University of Oxford, lowered the window of his compartment and put his head out, curious to know what was amiss. Rain was falling indecisively. It tattooed in weak, petulant spasms against the station roof, and the wind on which it rode had a cutting edge. One bulbs shone impartially on slot machines, timetables, a shuttered newspaper kiosk, on governmental threat and on commercial entreaty, on peeling green paint and rust-stained iron. Near the clock, a small group of men stood engrossed in peevish altercation. Fenn eyed them with disapproval for a moment and then spoke. Broken down? he inquired unpleasantly. They swiveled round to stare at him. Lost the driver? he asked. This second query was instantly effective. They hastened up to him in a bunch, and one of them, a massive, wall-eyed man who appeared to be the station master, said, For God's sake, sir, you haven't seen him, have you? Seen whom? Fenn demanded mistrustfully. The motorman, sir. The driver. No, of course I haven't, said Fenn. What happened to him? He's gone, sir. Hooked it somehow or other. He's not in his cabin, nor we can't find him anywhere on the station, neither. Then he has absconded, said Fenn, with valuables of some description, or with some other motorman's wife. The station master shook his head, less it appeared by way of contesting this hypothesis than as an indication of his general perplexity and stared helplessly up and down at the deserted platform. It's a rum go, sir, he said, and that's a fact. Well, 
There's one good thing about it, Mr. Maycock, said the younger of the two porters who were with him. He can't have got clear of the station, not without being seen. The station master took some time to assimilate this, and even when he had succeeded in doing so, did not seem much enlightened by it. How'd you make that out, Wally? He inquired. Well, after all, Mr. Maycock, the place is surrounded, isn't it? Surrounded, Wally? Mr. Maycock reiterated feebly. What do you mean, surrounded? Wally gaped at him. Lord, Mr. Maycock, didn't you know? I thought you'd have met the inspector when you came back from your supper. Inspector? Mr. Maycock could scarcely have been more bewildered if his underling had announced the presence of a snab or a grievy. What inspector? Scotland Yard chap, said Wally importantly. <laughs>